वेलकम टू सिंह टॉक Sintalkers around the table today discuss the errors, mistakes, and failures. We'll think about errors in epistemic, computational, philosophical, physical, and social domains, and attempt to explore why errors and failures exist at all. What are the sources of errors and vulnerabilities? Why are some errors universal? Are error-free domains possible or desirable? And what is the test of a domain being error-free? Are there heuristics and biases that lead to both errors and identification of errors? And we'll also wonder about the very long-term future of perfection and errors. We are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers around the table today. Dr. Costica Bradetan, who teaches humanities at the Honors College in Texas Tech, has an honorary research appointment in philosophy at the University of Queensland in Australia. He works in topics in history of philosophy, continental philosophy, and their interactions with film and literature, among others. Professor Arvind Kumar, who teaches physics at Centre for Basic Sciences in Mumbai University, and is formerly of Homi Baba Centre for Science Education of the IFR. His interests lie in theoretical physics and physics education. And Professor G. Shivakumar, who is from the Computer Science Department of IIT Bombay, and works on using logic. and theory improving for the formal design and verification of computer programs professor arvind maybe we set the ball rolling with you um sure to understand what errors are and at least to the in the limited domain of physics is all error a measurement error to begin with uh, what would be your take on this and maybe we set the ball rolling and we'll unwrap it as we go along no i mean in experimental physics or in general in experimental science uh there are errors in measurement mm-hmm. and very broadly speaking there are two kinds of measurement errors mm-hmm. uh one kind is what are called systematic errors and they arise because of a certain you know intrinsic uh problem with the instrument which you are using for measurement for instance uh, if you use a clock mm-hmm. which is running s- slowly i mean mm-hmm. it's, it's not a precise clock then uh, you will systematically get the same uh, error uh, not the same error but the values of let's say if you are doing velocity measurements mm-hmm. then you will systematically get velocities higher than the true velocities so yeah. so the error is in one direction yeah so they are called systematic errors and and the way to uh, get rid of them is to locate the source of the error i mean repair the watch yeah and things like that so uh but more important and more interesting from uh a mathematical point of view are the random errors mm-hmm. uh which are in both directions of mm-hmm. the truth true measured i mean true value mm. and for the most part they are unavoidable of course they can be reduced mm-hmm. but the random errors are unavoidable errors you can't make them zero i mean they cannot be uh they can be reduced by more and more sophisticated techniques but they uh, will come to the later to the point if there is a if they can be if there is any fundamental limit in nature on the on the lower bound of errors and so how how, uh, how do you reduce random errors 
well by making for example if you have a scale and very ordinary scale whose least count is uh, let's say 0.1 meter mm-hmm. 0.1 millimeter i'm sorry mm-hmm. uh, then the random errors would be about around this magnitude yeah because the the marking on your scale itself is probably 0.1 millimeter that's the thick. smallest yeah. unit of it's measurement smallest so and you could go wrong either way you could over right. over estimated or underestimated and but you could have a more sophisticated instrument whose resolution is much better than 0.1 mm-hmm. but still it there will be an error mm-hmm. again of the random kind but its mm-hmm. magnitude will be small mm-hmm. uh, so that's the way it is but uh, so in quantitative experimental science um, there are inevitable measurement errors and mostly of the random errors kind and there is uh, there is a full fleshed mathematical theory of random errors basically probability theory statistical and, and the mm. subject of mathematical statistics is actually which is founded on probability theory Uh, deals with how to how to uh, estimate these random errors for example when an experimentally scores a certain value for measured uh, you do that with a confidence interval it's it's always done with an error bar yeah and i would also like to say that it's not only in quantitative sciences like physics mm-hmm. but even in behavioral sciences mm-hmm. uh you do talk of errors mm-hmm. and uh, of course it's it's done there in a slightly different way uh but nonetheless they also make use of probability theory to estimate if uh to estimate error possible errors in their hypothesis for instance in in a in a, say in educational research if you you have a hypothesis mm-hmm. it's generally called a null hypothesis you want to test it mm-hmm. and you do various surveys or whatever and then you have to you make use of probability theory uh to estimate with what confidence you can say the hypothesis is correct you may say well the hypothesis has been proved to be correct with 95% confidence but are we statistics is helpful when we have lots of data points um what does one do in domains and yeah. situations or while studying phenomena that have very few occurrences if if, if yeah, i'm not getting it right you are absolutely right these uh these estimates error estimates based on probability theory make sense only when the sample data is sufficiently large that's right yeah if it is small then basically you have to turn to qualitative data analysis and i mean it, it's then the probability theory would not be uh, uh, mathematics is not so useful and you sure. have to make use of qualitative approaches to look at the errors and in fact that's that's precisely the area that interests me mm-hmm. uh, my own uh, recent work and also the um, the interest i have had for many years has been on the qualitative conceptual errors in physics uh, sure, which, sure. and for which of course the students is a is a convenient sample but it's not only student <laughs> errors uh, it's these we'll, errors we'll, are committed by everybody students sure. teachers scientists expert scientists everybody sure. we'll and get back to yeah. that of sakumar yeah. if you don't mind yeah. i think and we'll we'll get back to the world of conceptual errors how do you think of errors costica is this um obviously you have done a lot of work of late in the area of failure and uh, what would you say is the similarity or difference between an error and a failure what is failure for you good question um we can talk of different ways in which failure and error overlap mm-hmm. or are different mm-hmm. um one way of putting it would be to say well failure is about a process it's it's about a long term it's about something that's unfolding mm-hmm. at the end of which you say that's it's it has failed 
Yeah. Our thing has failed. Air is more punctual, but that's one way because you, we can use the terms more, 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 sure. more in a more relaxed way. Now, failure, because that's that's my my concern here, is it, an interesting thing. If you, if we look at the natural world, let's let's ignore everything. Just look at the natural world. Mm-hmm. Things don't don't fail; they just happen. Right. Just think of of of, of a nat- purely unhuman natural world. Mm-hmm. Things just happen; they take place. We mm. we apply we come with a framework of failure and success this this one dichotomy only f- after we we op- we use it in in relation to a human made object I I have this in device in relation to an expectation exactly so, so there you, needs to be an expectation exactly it's it, 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 it's a matter of design and projection and expectation mm. so I create this object this 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 device and mm-hmm. it's it's designed in a certain to perform certain functions mm-hmm. and it fails mm-hmm. so it hasn't performed what it was supposed to mm-hmm. and then we apply it again to the natural world and then you, you think well this world is going to the dogs right the world the the the, the cosmos yeah. is a failed project that's when you <laughs> you, you start from the human, you, you see, and you, you think theologically, what's going on with the world? The world is just was innocent enough before, but now you, you project upon it kind of the, some, something human, and which is it's legitimate. We can, we can. It has been the case for thousands of years. That's, that's the history of Western thought, right? And you think of, of, of God and the world, uh, the God as a maker, of, yes. of the world, which is an object, was it a device which fails, which doesn't perform very much like the, the, the human-made object, doesn't perform its Why function. Why do you say that? I mean, where, where does this possible verdict come from, that the maker fails? When you say the maker fails, uh, where is that coming from? Because you, you, you relate the actual performance of, of something mm-hmm. to, to, to a perfect model. Yes. But you see, it's the the way in which we 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 got there is is via a human a human made a human world. So we think of then of the relationship between a God as a creator of this world and the world in terms of of of, of uh, uh, maker and making and and design and and performance and so on. And that's a in 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 religion that's an interesting thing because that's how we in a way that's how we pose. The existence of a creator. We remember the, the initial step. We didn't have any creator. The world just existed, yep. and things just happened. And yep. now we, we we kind of we, we, we cannot think of it of it in the absence of a maker. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you see, <laughs> and um, in a way, we our way of thinking is 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 asking for for a theological background uh, framework. And um, you, you have in religion, now you have a huge problem because usually you have a, a God that by definition is a perfect being, existence, is something beyond, I mean, it's just perfect. And you have a very imperfect world. How can, how is that possible? How can a, a, a perfectly good, perfectly smart, perfectly intelligent, uh, divine being has created such an imperfect, uh, uh, terrible world? And in uh, one, of course, there are different ways of, of solving the problem and different religions. And one, what I found interesting was Gnosticism, which yeah. solved the problem in a very smart way. They say, well, actually, there are two gods. There's yeah. the perfect God, the, the perfectly, you know, conceived God. But he, or it's not he, it's an it, it's, it's something we don't know anything about. It's, it's so different from the world because it's perfect, right? It's so alien to the world. That some thinkers, some some theologians, Gnostic theologians, have used the term non-existent. Yes. Because existence is corrupted, <laughs> and to so to, to make some God. sense of this God, we have to use a different kind, a negative, a negative term, and we call we call it non-existent God, as opposed to the the, the, the maker, maker, the maker, the, the demiurge, the demiurge, who created the, the, this imperfect world, <laughs> and that's that's it's a, it's a way of making sense. Of course, different again, different religions have different ways of, of dealing with the issue, but Gnosticism has a, you may call it a theology of failure, which is not it's not. Uh, um, it's not very often you, you cannot you cannot find it elsewhere. Of course, it, you have the notion of falling, of 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 of, 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 of an original sin, of a redemption, right. and, and so on. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. That's very interesting. And you know, we'll just we're opening a few planks and we'll see how we tie them all up together later. Siva, what is do computers commit errors? Are are the errors that we have committed and they're just manifesting themselves in computer programs? Why don't we travel to your world and we'll then just begin begin to tie them all up together? Yes, it's a very good question and while it's very tempting to respond immediately to the god and the theories and philosophy which is computer maker, science and we'll see whether humans are because yeah, of computers the later the problem is little bit much better defined in the computer world okay and uh, computers are not autonomous so they are not writing their own code yet so when we say errors in the computer domain it mm-hmm. is a well understood problem called the correctness problem in computer science okay and there are various but even within this limited domain where it's easier to formulate the uh, concepts mm-hmm. there is an amazing amount of complexity which i'll try to bring out in the next few minutes sure so computer programs are written to, by human beings to do something yeah. and we all know about bugs what errors are popularly called bugs yes so errors are there for several reasons mm-hmm. so the first is of course the human part that the programmer who writes the code is not understanding the requirement properly and mm. makes errors commits errors in using a different uh, construct or uh, writing some wrong part of the code which is not computing a value correctly and so on and that leads to an error sure so software engineering is one uh, subject where they are taught how to avoid such errors how to design the program in a more systematic way how to check the parts as you go along sure. put uh, you know invariants and conditions that are supposed to be met at each stage of the program So this is the easier part of the error in terms of understanding why the error happens. But it is not true that error is only because of human error. It is also possible that as software becomes more complex, there is no one way or one unit of software. Mm-hmm. There are several modules and pieces which have to work together. Right. And it might be sound surprising, but modules which are individually correct when they are put together, there may be an error. There may be errors introduced because of why the interop- is that? So I it's hard to give a theoretical explanation but I can give an analogy which will make it sound I mean, sure. sort of a related analogy suppose you say you have two chess players who are both experts mm-hmm. and our goal is to win uh, programs mm-hmm. you cannot alternate moves between them suppose i play the first move opponent replies you play the second move the opponent replies i play the third move right. suppose we both are good players we'll be undoing each other's good part you may be trying to solve the problem in a particular way why 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 is that strategies these are called strategies or the way to find the answer or find the goal there may be so isn't that strategy embedded in that move so if i come into the ninth move when someone no, is played no it is not strategy me. it is let me put it as style there are two different ways to win style. the game mm-hmm. let's say there are two different ways to compute the answer and you do part of the computation for one different algorithm and i use a different then we are never going to see eye to eye in the partial results it's not like there's one true uh, solution or one correct way so this is where i i will come to the next part which is even more uh, you know interesting mm-hmm. that it is this is unit testing and then interoperability testing and so on and that that is something that is slightly better understood in mathematical domains sure but if you look at what the program is supposed to do programs are not only for simple mathematical domains for computing in values num- numerical answers even in numerical answers for instance precision is very important like he was saying right. if you have representing a floating point number and you are finding the answer to what accuracy you will find the answer yeah. computers are finally limited by the number of bits they can store in their registers and operations so there will be errors that can compound when you do floating point computations yeah leaving that aside there's one more level what is the program supposed to do how do you know that so that is called requirements a requirement specification is written in a language mm-hmm. and that before you even design a program to solve the problem you have to say what it is supposed to do yeah and input output behavior is not possible to specify exhaustively always yeah. so we have to describe it in a slightly more compact for instance pi can never be written down a number like pi can never be written down exhaustively infinitely many digits yeah. no recurring pattern yeah. there is no way but finitely pi can be expressed yeah there's a small formula yeah. which if used will generate the digit of pi yeah so like that there are ways to express the program requirements but as you look for the expressive power the language becomes very hard to understand the meaning what can be more than what do you mean by expressive one. power sir i should be able to say what it should do behavior when yeah. i want to say the program behaves in this way mm-hmm. i should specify the behavior mm-hmm. now specifying the behavior need not be a unique behavior it is a acceptable set of behaviors mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. when i specify the acceptable set of behaviors everybody should understand it the same way yeah now natural language is always the hardest 
and that's why we use in computer science more you know, specification languages like logic where you can clearly unambiguously state things yeah and is the logic gets more powerful and even assuming you can clearly unambiguously state things if the language has what is called self reference if you are able to refer to yourself mm. in a in a looser sense mm. then while the meaning is un- unambiguous to find out the meaning is impossible that to decide whether the program is right or wrong assuming that you know we have this super knowledge mm. is itself this is the interesting contribution of mathematics godel mm. Mm. in the uh, just before computers also mm. showed that languages which are expressive enough mm. it is undecidable whether a particular program is right or wrong mm. so mm. this is the hardest problem mm. that you cannot even decide in abstract this is, this is i'm not talking about real you know real life programs sure. underlined programs you can do but in abstract for any mathematical program even deciding whether it is right or wrong is impossible undecidability result is one of the core contributions mm. so this is the other extreme in computers mm. from simple programming errors you know typing a semicolon wrong or compiler sure. errors and so on sure. to this und- understanding the real desired behavior of the program in a language that is easy to analyze this is where the challenge lies to draw the right line and then design programs that meet the requirements and provably meet the requirements and therefore in domains which are safety critical which is the focus of most practical research is to synthesize programs that have these properties that do not cause catastrophic errors flight controllers railway signaling software and so on and so forth and how are real time systems more challenging they have two challenges one is this correctness that i told you yeah. the second is the real time that means they have to respond within if the plane is uh, you know en- encountering some tailwind mm. and then the radar has to be corrected we cannot take one hour to calculate you know whether to move up or down right or left mm. it has to be fast mm. and therefore the approximations you make to achieve that accuracy should not lead to errors mm. so to trade mm. off these two computational power and getting the answer in the right time and is there a trade off of sorts between you know safety and liveness or whatever yeah so that is the other thing that uh, programs that tend to uh, emphasize what's called safety i never make a mistake mm. spend so much time in computing that they never make progress they're trying to decide what is the best move mm. Mm. and the mm. clock in the chess exam analogy runs out mm. so you have to now at some point say i don't know what is the best move but i know this move is good enough to win so that is called liveness that i have to stop at some point trying to find the best answer and go with an acceptable answer and that's called the liveness make progress mm. and this trade off is something that each program has to draw the line properly because if you stop too soon you may make suboptimal moves it may be costly it may not make catastrophic errors but it may be much slower what can be done in 5 uh, minutes may take a year to complete a robot moving finding a path from one place to the other may not go there reach the other destination in a few minutes it may take hours it's not making mistakes though <laughs> it's just that it's trading off safety for liveness and so are there domains within computer science which are relatively error free already i would say no except the typical toy applications which are uh, you know for ch- you know children tic tac toe or well defined games you know where propositional logic is sufficient mm-hmm. for designing the truth value of particular statements the puzzles you have seen right so the non reactive systems systems yeah. that are not reacting with the world they are very static systems very mathematical domains like computing values square roots or computing mm. uh, well known simple uh, what you learn in high school arithmetic mm. things like that are the only domain where programs can be provably correct proved correct even if a human being has written it you can but what do you and your colleagues think about provable correctness in reactive systems is it likely is it something which is likely sometime in the see there is the holy grail term? the holy grail is leave the human out of the loop the human yeah. is the one causing the error and let the computer like i said generate or synthesize the code and which which has the properties required and there is the other one other extreme where a human writes and then we use computer techniques like theorem proving to model what he has written in some logic and then prove that the property is satisfied but the real practical world we always have via media a human assisted proof mm. the computer generates a template and says tells the human you fill in this part mm. may write code that does this and then fill in this part if you do all that correctly modulo that i will prove your system is correct mm. so we abstract the problem into what is called abstractions and within each abstraction we need a human help to implement it the real world is very difficult and abstractions to model and prove uh do not take into account uh the real world constraints that well 
yeah 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 no interesting i think there are some interesting points coming up here arvin maybe we go back to the point you were making about conceptual errors and maybe we understand that a little bit what exactly do you mean when you say conceptual errors no in fact uh, the point that costica made mm-hmm. regarding this is always an expectation yeah and then with respect to it you can say this is right or this is not right this is incorrect what would be the uh, opposite of error Uh, the opposite of error is the correct if in uh, first yeah in science uh, the standard conception as it is accepted now mm-hmm. in science mm-hmm. that's the correct conception as mm-hmm. of now mm-hmm. and relative to that if a student or anybody else uh, departs from that standard conception in a, in a significant way then you say that the person has made a conceptual error mm-hmm. uh, but the int, uh, of course the standard conception itself can be er- erroneous and it is subject to revision so science does not believe in a final finally correct conception but as of now from whatever is the experimental evidence mm-hmm. uh, there are there is there is some standard core of science and which scientists believe is the correct thing as of now it 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 there's always this proviso that it it is subject to fundamental change in the light of new experience so uh, there's never never as everybody agrees there's never in sense of finality in science but anyway coming back to conceptual errors the in, the interesting thing is not how to define them but some empirical features about those conceptual errors right and the very interesting thing is that the conceptual errors that people make in science uh, are quite universal at least the large, the the ones which are very frequent uh, are also very universal that is <laughs> in the sense that an an indian child in a in a fairly you know with in a classroom with not much infrastructure uh, he or she is likely to make a similar kind of error that's seven in romania uh, that that in romania or in a in a much in a setting which is otherwise extremely rich i mean say very very sophisticated school with in united states sure a student sitting there in the classroom is likely to make the same error it has why? been found yeah so that's a very good question why so it means that those the origins of those conceptuals are very deep and we have we have very deep cognitive origins i mean the way human being mind works that's very so interesting of, uh, so of, of course not all errors are conce- i must say that there are culture specific errors of also course. and there are uh, some universal conceptual errors that's one thing the second empirical feature about conceptual errors is that they are very robust a very good teacher may teach them and you you might think the teacher might think that well it's done he has delivered a great lecture and the students are rid of the error and they may even show that in a particular context that they are rid of that error but the errors reappear if you change the context because they innate and ingrained yeah so it all suggests a very deep you know which has still which is still uh, yet to be sorted out what's what, the what, best guess today uh, why why is it universal no because uh, uh, you see the point is uh, do, do you subscribe yeah, to I, the psychogenesis one one point mm. is that mm. one possible reason is that human beings need to theorize their physical world as well as their social world theorize mm. in mm. order to function mm. for example if i have to walk on a floor or catch trains or throw balls you know on a playground there oh. is an intuitive theory in my mind an intuitive uh, that, shared theory almost shared theory. all of us have a shared and theory of how we, we walk uh, how and what we happens walk. when and we walk all of us have this theory for example that the uh, which comes from which is abstracted from experience that you need a f- need some force to keep a body in motion yeah now actually conceptual errors arise because of uncritical uh, abstraction uh, uncritical induction from data that's very so from this you have induced that force is required because you always need to push if you want to move something uh people don't so it's a very start, kind yeah. of conception of course it's uncritical because 
the reason you have to you need a force is because of you know ever present frictional and viscous forces etc etc sure but this concept is so counterintuitive that no force is required to keep a body in motion hmm. that the that the flawed notion is much more intuitive and <laughs> and hence and hence much more universal and so hence more and robust in, mm. in fact uh, the biggest evidence of is that the greatest thinkers in history also held similar what we would call flawed notions such as uh, what such I mean? as uh, for, for example the same example the, the thing that i said that uh, force is required to keep a body in motion uh, is what aristotle the, one of the greatest you know minds in yeah in antiquity uh, thought and yeah. ho- you see for aristotle if i may yeah. digress a minute from moment he had two categories of motion mm-hmm. uh, what are known as natural movement mm-hmm. and and violent movement now mm-hmm. these categories no longer exist in newtonian sure. in modern physics these categories don't exist but they made a lot of sense and natural movement is the natural tendency of bodies to go to their uh, you know aristotle po- posited some natural places like sure. a heavy body goes to earth you know and water is on top of it and then air and then fire and things of that kind sure. it's a very elaborate and a very brilliant theory yeah. i mean just because a theory is now proved to be completely wrong it doesn't uh, take its beauty away yeah it doesn't take its beauty it doesn't take its coherence and it doesn't take the brilliance of the man the conception. Who, yeah, yeah. of the conception and aristotle therefore thought that this are this is one kind of movement but if you are sending a projectile then of course it's not a natural motion you're going against gravity so that's the violent you need, movement you need violent movement and you need some force to it, for it and roughly speaking although you know history is very rich and complex and uh, one trivializes it if one says it in very simple words but but roughly speaking uh, uh, for aristotle uniform motion was different from rest hmm. however galileo Mm. and then later newton and now modern physics for it rest and uniform motion are, are no different they are equivalent categories mm. Mm. now this is a highly no counterintuitive can a, can anybody uh, internalize it so easily that rest and uniform motion are, are the same thing in modern physics equivalent i won't say the same thing but they are equivalent, equivalent. thing neither mm. requires force force is needed to change uniform motion yeah the state of rest etc force is required uh, to accelerate or decelerate yeah, that is that is to depart from uniform yeah. motion but yeah. as if body at rest and uniform motion and the principle of relativity basically uh, on which relativity of both both galileo newton as well as einstein at mm. least a special theory mm. is founded is this that rest and uniform motion are uh, completely equivalent, equivalent. categories mm. in physics so what i'm trying to say is that the that the real fundamental notions of science mm. are ext- are often if not always very counterintuitive and therefore it is no surprise that most people universally people make quote unquote errors so these conceptual errors mm. almost axiomatic arvind because we go wrong with our fundamental assumptions about the way we have theorized is that what you're saying no i won't say that con- conceptual errors made by students are are i think the main source is Experience. experience yeah and the main source of error is limited experience yeah and this is the reason the third point that i was going to say this is the reason say, the same errors uh, not only about aristotelian force but a whole lot of other other uh, concepts on which there has been empirical research where on what students where they get wrong there are historical errors not on all, every every notion and there isn't a complete similarity but there is the similarity between student flawed conceptions and history and, of and the historical conception the similarity is quite striking in some cases not all cases and because where history, are they where are they most frequent arvind the freak i mean there are some typical things like as i said whatever is most intuitive right uh, like for example i'll give an, uh, a very nice ex- uh, very famous example of how we how we look at object uh, how we see objects mm-hmm. the theories of vision mm. now mm. theories of vision in history 
Uh, I mean, this the theory of vision has had a very interesting history. Mm. Uh, it started all with the Greeks, which, uh, I mean, some Greek philosophers said they believed in what is known as extramission theory, mm. that the eye is a so eye sends out light, mm. and that is how you see it. Mm. No less a person than Euclid thought mm. of it, mm. and. Uh, and Euclid's uh, idea that, I mean, Euclid gave the argument that if you want to see the needle, mm. you will have to focus, you know, put your eyes Eye. in that line <laughs> of sight. And uh, he was opposed to intromission theory, uh, where right. where the, uh, the object is sending light. And he said, how is that possible? If, the, if, the, if you believe in the other picture, the needle is sending rays all the time. And why do I have to see it? I mean, right. should, I should be able to see the needle every, every time. <laughs> and this little argument held sway for centuries. And both still because pops of up the in classrooms. Uh, uh, yeah, and then it, this, this went to Arabia, where, where in fact the first seed of the correct theory was in Arabian science, um, uh, Al-Hazin. He said that no, actually uh, every point on the object is sending light because of light being scattered, you know, etc. Mm -hmm. And then it's coming. But even the Arabian science could not resolve the puzzle that, well, if it is sending light, then how does it get focused? That's and very interesting. In, and in mm -hmm. Europe, uh, I mean, the final resolution came in Europe when Kepler, uh, guided by the then ideas in optics and so on, finally solved the problem that the rays coming from the object, the eye is a lens. And they converge on the and the standard thing that now. Seva, is there knows, a link between yeah. experience and errors? Yeah. Very much. And machine and learning or whatever. We call it non monotonicity, what uh, mm. Arvind is saying mm. is very much an uh, aspect. When computers also, we want it to be intelligence, they have to learn. Mm -hmm. And learn means you have to revise your belief. It's called belief, belief revision. revision. Mm -hmm. And this abstraction and induction that he said is the no easiest way to learn. That mm -hmm. from the examples that you have seen so far, mm -hmm. it's hard to keep all the examples in memory and look one by one. You want to form a much smaller, more compact theory. Yeah. So the standard example in computer science is you see a bird's fly. Yeah. That is a much easier way than saying crow fly, this flies. Every time you see something fly, you just instead of storing all that, you make a rule. Yeah. Now, this is not a correct rule. There's an error in this. Yes. Because you have not yet seen an ostrich. Yes. Okay, the moment <laughs> you see an ostrich, if you want to keep that rule, hmm. and also the fact that ostrich is a bird and it doesn't fly. How do you program stuff like this? It's called non it's belief revision. That hmm. uh, it's called circumscription. Mm -hmm. That if you want to, consistency is a virtue of an ass, is what they say. <laughs> and if a computer program wants to be consistent with the past, Hmm. then it will be wrong. So any learning, any theory, if you do not revise, is hmm. going to get stuck. Because hmm. it only explains the truth up to what has been observed at that point. Even assuming there are no errors then, it could be possible to change. All truth is temporal. Yes. Conceptually, yes. You know, the easiest one is I am alive is true today, but it's not true 10 years from now. Correct. So that is again self-reference. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But in general, that's what I'm saying. Hmm. That uh, truth is also it are possible worlds as the world also evolves. Unless you believe in there's only one model, and one true model, one true God, one true religion, one true way. And intimidation, Galileo, you were saying, right? Was intimidated to give up his theory. Sure. And sure. of course he didn't. He said it, yet it still moves. So and tell me, do programs and codes, I mean... Clearly, there's an element of, I mean, this machine learning or whatever, belief revision, is it automatic? Obviously yes, not. Yes, yes, it's clever enough. I'm sure that's why computer science, the challenge is that we can do better than humans. Humans are the ones who remain stuck in errors. I mean, he was saying it in a slightly different way. Conceptual errors are very hard to correct hmm. because we always go the easy way. We repeat, we go into habit and patterns of doing things evolve. Computers are much, they, they don't have this notion of ego. I said this before, therefore I'm wrong and so on. So it is easy to program a computer. It doesn't have all that. In a chess playing, for instance, although yeah. they have not been the successful examples of chess programs, yeah. one approach is to correct yourself. You made a mistake, find out and change the weights to calculate the next move. Yeah. And this is learning. The real learning comes when you fail. Okay, now that's true even in humans and so on. But computers can be made to do that. That they analyze the outcome or the result of a particular run and then change the way, self-modifying programs. Now, humans are the ones writing the programs. Computers writing such programs is way off. Sure. That is all science fiction. Sure. But today, there are programs that learn, that revise the way they work. They don't give the same answer every time. That's interesting. That's interesting. Kostika, maybe we go to you. You know, we've touched upon issues and aspects like ego issues and aspects like experience. 
issues and accidents like things breaking down does does failure have a silver lining are you um what 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 would you say to that um and what is the opposite of failure success in the in your framework <clears throat> that's a good point i i love that thing the, the intervention of 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 the ego factor mm. uh which blurs the, well it has a this equal, we can call it an imperial an imperial tendency to change things to impose to 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 exert dominion over things and mm-hmm. and, and um but going back to, to to failure, now in my in my view, the opposite of failure is is um, self overcoming. That's uh, success is is socially conditioned, socially defined. It's, it's changing all the time. You have so many definitions, but when you experience failure, you know, in a profound way, and you you see there is a you see the cracks in the fabric of the world. It's, there is, a, it's a, when you experience failure, when some major failure, it's as if you you see a, a hole into the being of the of the things. Uh, this 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 nothingness stares at you when you when you have that experience, and yeah. when you when you manage to get over, when you manage when you put in a situation to move on, to learn from failure and, and readjust your position in the world. That's self-overcoming. You, you, you've done something tremendous. Um, Is there an element of belief revision in the way one deals with failures, in the way one experiences definitely, definitely. failures? It's a readjustment. You, you, mm. you, you, uh, but my, from, from, I mean, from this uh, framework in which I, with which I'm working, it's, um, it's more existential. It's, it's about not just co- cognitive sure. processes. It's, it's the whole be- your own whole being as a human subject. Mm-hmm. It's not just learning. It, 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 it's living. Mm-hmm. It's learning and doing so many other things besides. Um, of course, what's, what's really interesting here is it's the social, the social thing, the, f- the failure as a social process. Is the way we 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 project our our social world um, with something perfect in mind, and that's when utopia comes in. We have this notion of a perfect society, right? It's a perfect m- 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 utopias are about the social and political world. They're not about the natural world, of course. And um, you you have it in literature, you have in political scientists and, and, and utopian thinkers, uh, models models of, of worlds that work perfectly. There is no everybody is supposedly happy, and uh, there are no major mistakes, and everything is being taken care of. Uh, fortunately, we've learned that utopias fail, and uh, it's a we've utopias collapse. So interesting. The collapse, <laughs> the collapse of, of, the, of the communist experiments in Eastern Europe and Russia should teach us tremendous, a very important lesson about the role of utopias. We we don't need to give up. I think it's, utopias are fundamental. I mean, this this this. Models of 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 societal organization of, of 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 society. We should always keep that in mind. However, we should never try to 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 put them into practice. It's a very interesting balance here. We have to. <laughs> uh, it's a, they teach us a lot about human aspiration, about what it is to be human. We need to we need to know that there is this process. There's all this long way. To, to, to getting there but the point is never to get there because we'll be dead that it will be the end of everything uh, to to become perfect and that's a very interesting with the uh, discussions in post-humanism and the roles of computers and uh, the time when when everything will be perfect that yeah. will become something no, here I'd like to add something when you move away from natural world to what he's saying social economic organization and so on the uh, thing that explains it best is game theory. You see, every agent does not have the same goal. You know, earlier we were talking about a single value, truth, yes. and truth is easier to define and so on. Yes. Here, notion of what is correct, what is perfect, there are many players. Each mm-hmm. has their own objective. Mm-hmm. And cooperation versus competition is something that a strategy has to evolve, which is in the greater common good is one way of looking at it. Another is to individ- you know, greatest good of the greatest numbers or maximize my personal good. Sure. And therefore, people tend to follow strategies that have a payoff. So, utopia is not possible in societies where everyone does not want the same thing. Right, right, right. There's, there's also winners and losers. That's the main thing. That if it is does turn out, the theory turns out that there cannot be all winners. So, if everyone does not have the same... If, uh, what if everyone has the same expectation? 
Gospel. That's impossible. If everyone we would, has the same expectation. We, we would not possible. be humans. I mean, by definition. They won't be human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. a, that's the beauty of the of the whole situation. We are very imperfect, and we have to. And it's a, it's that's how we should stay. That is very interesting. That is very interesting. That is very interesting. How do you catch bugs, Siva? <laughs> See, usually it is revealed in in uh, the thing is deployed. There is always an urgency to. Uh, I'm not talking about a classroom experiment, but when applications are developed and deployed, sure. the bug shows up much later. That it takes for it transfer. It works very well for a long time, and the particular combination of events or inputs that shows shows up the error is not realized or anticipated. Otherwise, it would have been caught earlier. But in the real world, when it happens, the system comes to a blinding halt crash mm, mm. and this can have consequences and this mm. is when uh, the programs have to be modified and again in the real world there is an urgency to fix it within a deadline release it and keep things operating and therefore even those uh, programs are buggy this could affect your bank balance also how are you so sure that you know yeah. there is neither no bug in the software and your balance will be unnecessarily deducted and so on so in such domains people don't really worry because it seems to be working it's worked for so many years let it go on if there are bugs there are other ways to fix it and so on mm. but in other domains mm. this is where bugs is caught in two ways testing is the less effective way but the one that is easier to do mm-hmm. have uh, hundreds of test cases designed and in a uh, in a in a safer environment not in the real world you run the program on various simulation simulated inputs and check that it is not misbehaving what are the symptoms of bugs symptoms of failure symptoms of how do we anticipate that a error or a failure is around the corner <laughs> no okay so i think i should distinguish between functional errors and what are called uh, what you are calling non functional yeah. see i was so far focusing on functional errors that if yeah. the answer is 33 and you say 34 you are wrong yeah okay so there there is no question of right uh, find how to find the error yeah. but there are non functional errors non functional errors mean the system stops responding what yeah. used to give an answer in 2 minutes now after 7 hours it has not given a wrong answer but, but the memory it is trashing paging yeah. the computer is stuck yeah. what what they say yeah. so it is not made a mistake at the same time it is not meeting your need because yeah. it has just gone into some other part of its computation or work which is impeding the yeah. so this cannot again this is called performance testing load testing when mm-hmm. you go to a bank website or when je results are announced and all students want to see that at the same time <laughs> then these type of errors happen these are errors in the design of the overall system where mm-hmm. performance tuning is an important aspect load testing and to get to in a computer domain all these are preconditions before you release a program into what's called production or put it to use by the real world you have to do all this in the lab quite rigorously this is approach one approach two is what i said and for smaller domains where it is safety critical real time then you have to actually use mathematical techniques to prove it correct not just test it Shiva why don't you tell us about the concept of verifying compiler for example for a bit because it is it is kind of profound in a sense that you kind of test a program before running it almost um, this is yeah how does one conceptualize something like that this is the grand challenge tony hoare was a famous computer scientist who has been uh, spearheading this effort he says that we have now reached a stage of maturity where when the code usually code is not written in the machine language a machine is bits and bytes yeah. and it has to then decode that and move values in registers and sure, so on sure. which has the effect of a computation sure. but when people write code they write it in a much higher level language yeah. and the higher level language that most people are uh, uh, familiar with is what's called the imperative language where mm-hmm. you have variables that store values mm. and you manipulate those values using some mathematical operations to get the results sure and constructs are there to repeat some computations loop and branch and so on sure now a compiler's job is to take the normally so far the traditional compiler its job is simply translation translate from the higher level language to the machine language a right. language in, in which Correct. the machine can actually interpret it what is the additional challenges can the compiler do more Mm-hmm. can it look at the code and say it is correctly cal- calculating what it is by giving the specifications that i said if you along with the code are able to embed some properties and specifications can the compiler when doing this Why translation is it difficult it is difficult because of i told you the first order logic is itself undecidable theorem proving mm-hmm. like i told you there i can write a statement in logic which can take years to prove even on supercomputers it's it, the statement may be a theorem but current uh what's algorithms. the constraint the constraint is the complex i mean you have the case is exponential blow up that's all 
in the brute force one way to explain this is that there are number of possibilities like chess let me go back sure, to chess sure, as sure. i have been no, doing that understand that chess is a perfect information game yes everything is known in theory i can tell you whether in a give, give me a portion of chess there are only finitely many moves yes for that finitely many replies and every branch of this can be followed to its logical conclusion that the game has to end it has to end in a win or a loss and then we can work our way back and say in this position if white makes this move it's a win yeah why don't we do that yeah no computer can do that today yeah you take all the world super computers because the power of you know two power and you have heard that famous story of course one grain of rice I think two grains of rice very yeah. interesting i mean why don't we spend the last 10 15 minutes just wondering about the future of errors yeah. um Obviously so the if you complex. want me to start off at least yes. I'll take a minute yeah. you see I don't think we want an error free world in many domains especially for instance the same things that I've been saying if a computer plays perfect chess chess's value becomes zero if a computer composes perfect music what is perfect music all no, the grammar that is, that is uh, us assigned right because we are yeah. saying this is how the world should be but can it is the question can it is also a harder harder uh, yeah I, uh, the, the current uh, jury is out it cannot that mm. there is no way to avoid there is the same the, the undecidability will come and hit you sooner or later if you try to do anything more complex than simply adding numbers or multiplying numbers and so on then there is no correct so when you say there are some domains that could be error free which yeah. is what you implied uh, what are these domains finite finite values and the finite the order number is small for instance uh, like i said 8 bit 8 bit numbers mm-hmm. where you have simply have to find maximum minimum sort arrays your tasks that are well defined and which do not blow up so a calculators are error calculators. free and they'll stay scientific so calculators fine. yes <laughs> but they are not real programs general purpose programs yeah, they don't, they don't yeah. react with yeah. the world in any way what's the future of failures costica i hope it's a great future i mean I hope we stay imperfect we stay uh, failing creatures because if we reach a point where we'll be perfect and there is no need for improvements we'll be dead as a as a species we may be something very interesting we may be machines like never making any mistakes but we'll stop making history in a way it will be the end of history we've come so far we've come you know every accomplishment in human history has been made possible precisely because we've we failed we and out of a need to improve things out of a need to stop failing we've we, we've moved on we moved ahead and i i honestly hope that we'll we'll stay this way we'll always be in uh, in the state of a failure uh, i think the, the failure should be the engine uh, of creativity of 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 uh, actually it is uh, the engine of, of any novelty that's been created in the, the humanities or sciences um Yeah it's inextricably linked to the whole notion of an endeavor to the whole notion of attempting something right uh, right when there are no failures probably there's there are no attempts I mean, you're not trying yeah, again it may be it may be a perfect world a, 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 a perfectly engineered a perfectly organized and runs smoothly not just smoothly but perfectly but as as, as human beings we we will have no place there <laughs> no the challenge is that to step one of professor arvind can probably please, answer this please how probable is it that some asteroid can crash into earth and life as we know it just stops then all these questions become meaningless it is not like anything in our control right so we sort of give ourselves a pedestal or a value beyond the natural phenomenon uh, global warming is uh, less <laughs> less of an evil but there are so many things that tell us that we may actually stop forget the errors and nor errors so in that sense maybe uh, arvind what's the future <laughs> is them are our errors intrinsic to nature is 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 there some big solution ahead of us in the next 500 years 1000 years what's uh, the cutting edge for i talk of errors let me say some a few words about failures please and uh, uh, so far as we know i mean f- from our experience up till now with science failures are extremely important in science mm-hmm. because it is only through failures that new theories new fundamental theories are heuristically guessed and then of course they are confirmed or otherwise so for Absolutely. example uh, I mean you have to celebrate the failure of newtonian mechanics in yeah, certain I mean mm. if not celebrate at least no I mean notice that 
or appreciate that Newtonian science uh, which looked as maybe at the end of the 19th century actually people were having this utopian which Kostika said utopia I mean he said it in more general terms but in terms for in terms of scientific uh, progress at the end of the 19th century there were a number of physicists who thought that well, all, all of physics uh, is done uh, and dusted uh, Kelvin yeah, yeah. Hmm. all of physics is done and now one has to just work out the details hmm. and they were in for a shock because you know, <laughs> soon soon classical physics in the light of experience in the atomic domain tumbled and a new theory had to be created. Hmm. In the same way, the uh, ideas of ether, etc., which were dominant in the 19th century, hmm. uh, when that idea failed, it's only then that the great theories of special and general relativity were born. So failure has been a blessing in, <laughs> in so science. Tell us, but what are the uh, current yeah. ideas that you think are likely to fail? Well, that is a very hard question to answer because, uh, I mean, there are people, extremely brilliant people who are, who are trying to unify all the fundamental forces of nature and there is a hope that this theoretical utopia, that, you know, there will be a <laughs> grand unified theory. absolute theory, mm. perhaps along the string theory lines, etc. Mm. So, I, I would not say that... Sure. I, I would not... It would be presumptuous on my part to say that it's going to either fail or succeed. It's sure. I don't. I don't think anybody can say that. Sure. In science, one just goes on trying, and so on. But I think returning to your question about error-free hmm. uh, physical world, mm -hmm. I think uh, at least so far as we now know, I mean, hmm. quantum theory is the basic theory of uh, the universe at at the present state of human knowledge. Uh, of physical universe, uh, there are things beyond beyond it that we cannot uh, we cannot say. But uh, quantum theory is limited by the uncertainty principle on errors. Basically, the uncertainty principle says that the there is a lower bound given by nature. given by nature mm. on the errors. You know, the, you you cannot determine the position and and momentum of a or a velocity of a Sure. of an electron, let's say a small particle, uh, to, to an infinite precision. The reason we don't notice that at the classical level is that the lower bound is rather small. Yeah. And therefore, for all practical purposes, it is pretty precise at the classical level and very deterministic. But yeah. there it is, it is imprecise and indeterministic at the fundamental quantum level. Now, whether quantum theory itself is going to be subject to revision is a matter of speculation. At the moment, it seems to be the correct thing because people have tried to go beyond quantum theory and have, you know, so-called hidden variable theories and so on, where where the notion of uncertainty is not there. And it's all, you know, things have precise values. Uh, and the the current feeling in quantum mechanics that well what is you your intuition arvin mm. i mean it, it's it, there's a small yeah. probability that quantum theory is wrong and or uncertainty principle is wrong and it's it's just it's a theoretical failure so far or it's a theoretical constraint so yeah. far do you think nature intrinsically is uncertain at those uh, at those levels that i is, know that's what these that, theories say that is what it appears and mm. the alternative theories which have been uh, the so-called hidden variable theories, as in one example, uh, you know, is f about a hundred years ago. These questions that you are asking are were regarded as philosophical. Now, philosophy is a very decent discipline, but it's a decent for, 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 for physicists, it's something to be avoided. <laughs> <And> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, it used to be a philo and most. Uh, physics professors used to advise their students not to get involved in these matters. Just and get, go ahead with get, the calculations. Go, go ahead with the calculations because it, it worked. <laughs> but this turned into a physics question in 1960s hmm. when John S. Bell, he gave a clear-cut uh, result. It's called Bell inequality, mm -hmm. which said that uh, if quantum theory is right, this is what is going to happen. And if alternative hidden variable theories, which are which are 
which don't have this uncertainty which mm-hmm. says that which says that quantum theory is fine but incomplete as einstein said einstein sure. used to he used uh, he had a lot yeah. of struggle with that he used to struggle with this idea and and in fact based on his experiment the so called epr experiment it was uh, greatly debated etc and in 1960s a very clear cut result that that was one of the i would say one of the milestones in mm. modern physics that's very interesting that uh, he gave an inequality john bell that if if that equality is satisfied then quantum mechanics would have been wrong and experiments were performed and it was found that that inequality is violated quantum mechanics is inconsistent with that inequality and <laughs> the nature also is inconsistent is violates that inequality and therefore at the present state quantum mechanics seems to be the correct thing but nobody can yeah nobody can really know i mean kostika do you think yeah. errors are hardwired into nature yeah. uh, i think uh, i don't mean human nature no, nature so i'm I, trying I, to take you into the more metaphysical realm are is are errors hardwired into nature i think they are into our minds it's it's a human it's a human thing nature itself if we if we separate it from from human perception human representation doesn't make mistakes it just again it happens it it happens it's 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 a human thing i mean error fallacy uh, mistake um, failure anything it's just it, it it's our conceptual apparatus it's it's it has to do with the way we in which we approach the world not with the world itself You, you you place the world within a frame of reference that's when you, you you begin to judge things in terms of failure or success or error and precision and so on interesting interesting are errors hardwired into it is and uh, this is something i just uh, should have mentioned earlier also in the computer domain it is hardwired into the, the following way that suppose you have built the perfect system it is quite possible there can be some radiation which changes the value of the bit when the computer is running the program the error is not in the computer error is not in the program some external interference can change a value stored inside it's after all bits and in a quantum uh, state can be altered by some external radiation this is not an unsolvable error is hardwired into theoretical computer science yes because into theoretical computer science <laughs> theoretical I mean, because radiation and stuff is fine I mean, no no but uh, just to go back to the radiation thing i said that because that also can be solved Mm-hmm. it is because to solve a problem we don't build a single system if you build a single system mm-hmm. the way to correct for errors is to have this majority voting mm-hmm. you have a completely independent system not sharing any physical aspect of the computation with this system mm-hmm. and then you take a vote this is like deciding who is correct and it out of 100 you know 70 say something <laughs> then that is considered correct answer hmm. and unless that agreement is there the answer could be due to other variations but coming back to your other challenge i mean this is the physical world and so on in theoretical computer science errors are part of the whole the logic when godel gave that famous undecidability result sure then we can never build a system which always answers correctly is what he proved within that system there can be an oracle there can be god who can give the correct answer all the time but a computer as simple as this uh, to give you a real example this is not just an abstract sure. thing if you want to find out whether a polynomial has integer roots mm-hmm. that means uh, 7x sure. square minus sure. 9y if there are values of xyz that make it integer Unintegers. values that make it zero it has been proved that no computer program can do this correctly for all polynomials it can do it for a class of polynomials sure but any program that says it will answer correctly for all input polynomials is wrong this is a theoretical proof it's a proof what what is it called huh? what is it called which proof is this this is the uh, same thing undecidability sure. that this is an undecidable problem that any program that answers this decision problem there so is a things are quite uncertain siva i mean uh, no but Arvind this doesn't really figure out is uncertain um acoustica tells us that it i mean to the extent there are errors it's just a human conception nature just happens um and computer system seems to be i mean they seem to be undecidable at at several levels but is... this should not lead to paralysis i just want to say this that we are living in a world we have to accept that and move on if a car you are going and you are driving a cycle you do not really calculate all the velocities and impact and motion and then decide whether to press the pedal we have enough heuristics <laughs> to deal with ah, the world so we we'll just and you on. survive and you move on interesting interesting yeah. thank you thank you to thank you to all of you for making it and we look forward to having you soon again thank you take care thank you thank you thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.